Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we talk about two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes, uh, fuck. <laughs> Achieving outstanding pairings. Uh, welcome to Beer and a Movie. Oh, God, I gotta... I gotta put this down. Goosefraba. <laughs> welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we talk about two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times, you guessed it, giving ourselves the opportunity to watch the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. We are back after taking a week off. I am your host, Carlos Cooper, and with me as always... Joe Hilliard. And Dave Gurney. And today, we are getting into... We're getting into some new stuff for the show. New style, new kind of film, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it, I, I'm interested to see what uh, the, what the old guys at the table have to have have to say about it. But first, as always, we got to get some beer in our glasses. Hey, man, you. Want- <laughs> Let's talk about this superlative. Uh, Joe Joe always wants to make sure we know that he's older than the rest of us, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make him. I'm gonna shy. I'm gonna shy back from that. I'm gonna make him shy back from that. When it comes to Pokemon, I have to cop to being a bit old for yeah. for having caught the first wave. Oh yeah. Least, yeah. Um, yeah. But before that, not only are we getting into a newer kind of film, as has been uh, divulged, De- Detective Pikachu. Which, as we know, is an adaptation of a card game, which was then a cartoon, which was then a video game, which was then an animated movie, all this stuff. Um, we've never, I don't think we've ever done something with the scope of that before, as far as adaptations goes. Perhaps um, not. And so we're going to drink a style of beer that we have not had before. And what I want us to do, you guys wanted to talk a lot about... Uh, how we were going to get into this beer before the episode started. So I'm going to throw a wild card your way that we did Ooh. not discuss. The Brood IPA, not a real style. As I've said on the show before. Yeah. It, we, it, it is our responsibility as craft beer drinkers mm-hmm. to today decide if the Golden Stout is a real style. Oh, is that huh. what we're that drinking? That is our objective. So we are drinking a Golden Stout. This one has been imported to us from... Hot Springs National Park in Arkansas. And this one came to me via my sister-in-law. She, uh, a couple weekends ago, took a trip um, up to Memphis and hit this Hot Springs place on the way back. This is something she'd been talking about doing for a while. Sent me a picture of the menu from this place. Uh, Superior Bathhouse Brewing. This one is called DeSoto's Folly. It's a golden stout. I believe it's 6.2%. You can fact check me on that one. Um, you are correct. And I don't know what the fuck a golden stout is. Honestly, I've never had one. 6.5. The, the style doesn't... The name of that style does not make sense to me. Uh, right, and so right. I'm interested... And it, it's not a commonly available style either, you know? Uh you're not going to see it on every tap list at every bar you go to. So. You said earlier that we'd never had one. I think, David, you have. Well, we never well, had one on the show. We never had one on the podcast. No, sure. but I mean, that's right. how rare that this style of beer is, that between the three of us, only David's had it yeah. two times. Period. Yeah. Yeah. And only and, and only twice. Right. If that. I'm going to open may, it. May have open it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go good. ahead and open it. I, I do want... The, it, 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 I mean, it's traveled some distance to get here. So. Well, and uh, it, I, I do want to make sure, you know, b- big thanks to uh, to Cassidy, Cassidy for bringing yeah. it to us um, to, to share on the podcast. And this place looks awesome. I mean, I just checked out the website uh-huh. very quickly. And uh, it, it is, they claim to be the first craft brewery that has opened in a U.S. national park. I bet. That's, that's pretty cool. And they're actually housed in a what was one time a working bathhouse apparently 
So pr- pretty darn cool. They're right, and they're using the, the thermal hot springs. Right, and before I, I was going to pour it, but I haven't yet because I've never had a golden stout, and I don't even know what to expect to come out of this amber-colored growler. Yes, because it's 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 a dark growler, so we can't see right. It could the well color be. of the beer. Okay, so a stout yeah. is always thick and chocolatey looking and, and dark yeah, as the night it's sky. Like a dark coffee. So here we go. <laughs> and it is not. It, is it looks like an things. IPA. And, and if does. you were seeing this, folks, you would see. Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely golden. I mean, it's it's, it's golden. Yes, that's that is uh, for certain. Yes. Um, this uh, the packaging. I'd also like to yeah, it's awesome. shout out. It's a one of the best looking growlers. Cool growler. I've ever it's seen. a liter size, and it looks like a yeah. tiny little moonshine jug. Yeah. All right. On the, the, I'm curious. The nose. Are we getting uh, stout quality? We're getting stouty esque type of. Sort of, but I'm almost getting like a peanut butter. But, yeah, I was just gonna say like something buttery or something that I don't usually associate with a stout. But there is like a chocolate quality. Mm, okay, that's very interesting. Uh, so before we, we're obviously not gonna review the beer until the end. But before we get any farther, we talked a little bit about what defines a stout, and I looked at the Wikipedia page for stout, mm-hmm. and. The very first sentence is a stout is a dark beer, and right, this right. is not a dark beer. Right. Uh, and also, uh, we discussed earlier the the roasted barley is a big part of what defines the stout using this roasted barley that gives it that uh, that darker color. And uh, one of the, there there are some things about beer that are very that can be very confusing to me okay. at least, and one of them is. What makes a stout different from a porter? And right. when you get into the history of it, it makes it even more complicated because they used to be called stout porters. Mm-hmm. And the only reason the stout name was attached to it was because they were higher in alcohol content than your standard porter. Yeah. So I don't know what any of that means, but that's what I got as far as trying <laughs> well, to I make mean, heads or tails I think of this. It, it's, a, it's a good point you're making. I mean, I think these style designations that we have, that we talk about, the ones that evolve, it, it's, a, it's a constantly changing thing, right? I mean, like with movie genres. I mean, yeah. we, we'll have, you know, a genre like horror, but then we'll be talking about slasher films and we'll be talking about, you body know, horror. Uh, body horror or uh, torture porn or, what you know, these various offshoots that will kind of happen because people specialize in certain aspects of it or focus on certain things and eliminate others so i think with with beer styles you're getting some of the same stuff i mean we've had plenty of milkshake ipas mm-hmm. and hazy ipas on the podcast in recent uh, episodes which is probably indicative of our tastes well it is we, and we it, but, it's, but it's also indicative of craft beer in general yeah, lately. the, the trends mean, that's, that's been a huge trend in right. craft beer so it's just kind of what's out there also but um, Golden Stout has not taken off that way. And, and it's been around for a few years. It's a style that people have played with. I feel like it's more of a novelty style than it is something that I've ever heard anybody be really excited about. Like, right. I can't ever think of somebody having told me, like, you've got to try this Golden Stout. I believe the, the one time that I can remember for certain having a Golden Stout, I think it was on tap at a local bar that has a lot of craft beer taps. And I think they just got it in because it was, you know, oh, that's available? Okay, yeah, Yeah. we'll put that on. We'll see if people want to drink that. And I don't remember loving it, Um, but it was. It it wasn't using the roasted bar, the roasted malt, so it was, you know, lighter in color. You ended up with that, you know, body that looks like an IPA, um, a pale ale, whatever. But the nose definitely has some of those roasty characteristics, and the flavor does too, but it's also because you don't have that same body. I think it lacks something there, and we'll see. I mean, we'll sip on this as we're talking about right. 
the movie. We'll see if we feel that way with this one, but I've not been impressed in the past by them. There you have it. Moving on. Um, yeah, so we're gonna so let's get into the film yeah. now that uh, we've kind of gone on brought our, us here today. We're talking about Detective Pikachu, uh, the film where Ryan Reynolds voices a Pokemon in the exact same cadence and tone and demeanor that he did Deadpool. Um, <laughs> but if it works, but this, yeah, uh, if, if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it, it, this is a film that stars Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu, Justice Smith, and it revolves around a kid who dis, you know finds this Pokemon Pikachu that he can understand, and we live in a world where. Uh, Pokemon and humans live together, uh, but they cannot communicate verbally uh, mm-hmm. to one another. So it's this rare occurrence where he can word match everything this Pokemon's trying to say to him. And they are trying to solve a mystery, hence the name Detective Pikachu. And yeah, it's a live action Pokemon movie, which hasn't been done before. And and it's a it's a ride, I think. I mean, it, the all the Pokemon in this movie are cute as shit. I think that there's one thing we can agree on. It's that. I have a hard time deciding if this is actually a good movie or not. Because <laughs> I'm, I have such a like, nostalgic emotional attachment to it from my childhood. And like this had been a thing you know, that I, you know, I collected Pokemon cards as a kid. All that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you and, follow along? Did you, did you also watch the cartoon? Did you also watch the... I watched the cartoon a little bit. I remember when the like first Pokemon animated movie came out, being like that was a big deal. It was wasn't a it? huge deal, uh, especially because your ticket came with like a uh, a, a special Pokemon card oh, of and course, yeah. stuff like that. And um, did you get the special Pokemon cards I, when you went to see this one? No, they, Detective they, Pikachu. Yeah, they no. Had, uh, they that, had some. The screening that I went to, they they handed them out at the end. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. No, no, I didn't. Um, I want my money back for that ticket, uh, but no, and so, yeah. So I, when I left the movie, I was like, did, did I like that movie? Because I saw, pretty convincing, CGI, versions of these characters that I grew up with, mm-hmm. or did I actually like the movie? Yeah. Is it actually a good movie? Um, so I don't know. We'll find out as this conversation goes on. I'll go first. I didn't see it, guys. Oh, I'm sorry. There's so much life going on right now that I just couldn't make it, and I have felt horrible because I think it's if we don't if we don't all see the movies. Uh-huh. So uh, if I had to make a choice, I I I wouldn't able to see this one, and I apologize. So I'm not going to be much help. Okay. My kids play Pokemon Go. That's all I can tell you. Now yeah. what a movement that was. Oh yeah, an explosive <laughs> pop cultural equally, moment. Equally explosive and equally digressive. I mean, it kind of came and went. Yeah. In Although the there are of, still people that are in the playing. snap of Thanos's finger. Right. <laughs> so we got to rely on David uh, to, to to give point to, or to give the weathered uh, the the weathered opinion. Yeah. So I mean. I will give you it. It is a cute movie in in various ways. Um, I I think it is tough for me because I see it as a it's a kids movie. Okay, that, that that's it's one of those films that maybe even more so than a lot of the animated features I've seen in the recent past. I feel like really speaks primarily to that audience that has a really deep attachment to Pokemon already. Um, now I. I still found it charming in various ways. Um, I think the story itself is 
pretty basic. I don't know. I mean, the the gimmick of having Pikachu be able to talk to this one kid um, is it's clever. It's funny, and then the 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 reveal towards the end where we we spoilers we, yeah where we find out why that is, and we and we are a spoiler zone podcast. So I'll just yeah. you know that it is his father that um, the 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 kid's father has supposedly passed away but actually his his consciousness. his consciousness has been transplanted it's a very meta film it is i mean that the, the whole um so i guess we can get into that i mean the whole idea of if if i see a fatal flaw in this plot <laughs> the bill nighy character right i'm trying to remember uh his name in the film the the guy Howard, who ends up Howard? the the main villain character the, the older character yeah, yeah. Howard Howard um he's driven by a desire to have all humans like meld into their pokemon that, that's that's no, what's well, driving he, him he's he wants um human beings to um Evolve shed, like shed, po- will shed their useless corporeal form and use these Pokemon as vessels for their consciousness because they are physiologically superior right. to humans. Right. Did, so, so was he? I mean, okay. On one level, I'm like, that's kind of like the stupidest evil scheme that I've ever heard of. In a way, like, why does this guy feel so compelled to impose this on all of humanity? It didn't make sense to me why. But then on another level, I'm like, but then, you know, one of the films we've just celebrated on this podcast for how clever it was, Get Out, was all about transplanting people's consciousness into other bodies so that they can live on and, yeah. and do this thing. But, but again, in a more targeted way and one yeah. that was much more racial in its uh, in yeah. its commentary. This doesn't seem to be going for that racial commentary. No, no. That, that one <laughs> Interspecial. was... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that and, and that was different because the people that were doing it wanted it, wanted to right, right. Have they that were tra- paying. They yeah. were actually exactly yes. Yeah. They were and bidding for he, that exactly. And, the, and and then in this one, it's a guy forcing imposing yeah, it on this, people. Um, I mean, his motivation is paper thin for sure. But they do try to explain it by him being frustrated by this disease that right, has plagued right. his body. And he so sees, from a personal from he, a personal standpoint, I get why he wants to be put into a Pokemon. I th- yeah, I mean, I think that he just has this kind of savior complex as he is the only one that has put together that humans can't evolve the way Pokemon do to be the best versions of themselves. Right. So he wants to preemptively save everybody from as crippling a disease as he has suffered from and right. just put him in the put him in the Pokemon. Right. Move on. I mean, he's a Thanos-like figure. He's yeah. like, I, I know better than all the rest it, of you. Exactly. I'm going to do this thing that's better for you even if you don't want it because it's what needs to be done. You'll thank me Because I know and you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got to tell you, sitting here silently just drink, sipping on this beer. Uh-huh. This is a much more cerebral conversation between the two of you than I was expecting. <laughs> so okay. I'm a, I'm actually sort of surprised myself. <laughs> so so one thing that I want to talk about is the Squirtle was my favorite. That's what I was expecting you guys to say. So, uh, Psyduck I mean, was definitely my favorite. The squir- I mean the Squirtle character. Squirtle is a funny word. Is it is, but. They uh, all the Squirtles work with the fire department to put out fires. Of course, and that's clever, fucking clever. cute. Yeah. The the Machamp that has uh, four arms is directing traffic. Makes sense. Uh, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, there's a lot of 
clever, funny kind of things like that. But the one thing that you said, David, that I want to get back to Uh is that you felt this was a movie that was very specifically targeted towards a kid audience, maybe even more so than some of the animated films. But let me say why I think you may be wrong about that. Okay. There's a lot of cheeky humor, a lot of Shrek-like innuendo-esque humor on behalf of the Pikachu character. Okay. There were, well, yes. There were some, and I, as a, someone who didn't see it, that's what I would expect from Ryan Reynolds' voice. But I guess, a li- just a little. I guess that's where... So I was going into it thinking, oh, Ryan Reynolds doing the voice of it, it's going to be like amped up to as far as... It, this is going to be pushing like PG-13. It was actually PG. But the, you was know, it really? Yeah, it was. It was, it was the first really? Pokemon property that was not rated G. Pokemon. That's is that right? Wow. Pokemon. David. <laughs> Peaky Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, Before the movie... Kylie said, because it was me and Kylie went with a, a, a couple friends, uh-huh. and she was like, I just know that I'm going to cry at how cute all the Pokemons are. <laughs> and then Josh looked over at her and was like, There's no S. <laughs> it's just, it's just po- Pokemon just, just is Pokemon. plural. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what is the singular? Is Pokemon. It's just, it, it's like vinyl. The, the plural like vinyl, of vinyl yeah. is vinyl. Vinyl, yeah. I believe. So, I mean, you know, you can, you can say Pokemon for it, a single it's, it's, or look, it's a Pokemon. Look, it's or it's, it's Pokemon. Look, it's many Pokemon. Money Pokemon. Yeah, I'd say a group. A, a, group a gaggle. But a you gag. were saying you, you expected Ryan Reynolds' voicing so to the, take the, amp it to the because we just you know mentioned earlier having Deadpool's mm-hmm. voice um, yeah. for this character. Part of me was thinking, oh, they're going to be pushing the edge. I'll agree with you that I think there were some adult characteristics, and in the characters obsessed with coffee. Right, yeah. I mean, so that that's very adult, um, and there there were some other things, but in terms of sexualization, I didn't get much of that. He just makes a couple kind of you know yeah. tongue in cheek like you know whatever kind of jokes, right? Um, I mean, it's nothing really egregious or anything, right? But right. It, but it's it, the thirteen year olds laugh. Uh, but it was like, um, don't worry, parents. Like we got something for you too while you're sitting through. This yeah, thing, yeah. I, I'll agree with that. And also, when I say it's a kids' movie, I guess that was maybe even the wrong. I think it's a movie for people who already love Pokemon in in some way. Because you know, Kylie going into it and saying like, oh. I'm going to cry at how cute they are. I think part of that is you're primed because you've seen these things on trading cards and video games and comic books and animated films. And so now you're getting to see the CGI realization of these things in a live action environment. And I think that that would have been so much more exciting for me had I had a lead up to it where I was trading the cards, I was playing the game. I have a question for you though, because a big part of the game, right, the card game, the video games um, and all that is the fighting, Mm -hmm. right? And a big part of this film is that this city that they've created, they don't do the fighting. Mm -hmm. Okay, there is that one scene where they kind of go to an illicit underground fighting ring. It's like cockfighting, but with Pokemon. But that fight is totally botched, right? It doesn't happen, it doesn't go down, because yeah. Were you disappointed at all that you didn't get to see Pokemon battles? Uh, no. Okay. I didn't. All right. I just, it, it's such a key part of the franchise. Yeah, 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 it is. Um, but the, I mean, the way that they built the world of this film and the way they, you know, made the Pokemon look and behave and all that stuff, it would have been like pretty sad. 
if you had to watch right because you, you furry you're things. liking like, them yeah it'd be like watching dog fighting or something you know well but the yeah. but I, and again I haven't watched enough I've seen a little bit of the cartoon my daughters have gotten into it a little bit they've they've definitely watched the original parts of the original series and I think there's a later one Pokemon X Y or something and okay so they they've seen it and I've seen bits and pieces. And they're cute on there too, but they fight with them. <laughs> it's like a regular, like every episode is like we're going to the arena, we're yeah. you know gonna fight it out. And some are cuter than others. Yeah, it, it didn't bother. So, me. what's your verdict? Uh, uh, you said at the very beginning of this, you couldn't decide if it was a good movie because of nostalgia reasons, or I, yeah, it's, are you recommending it? It's it's hard to tell. Um, or is the audience for this not. movie so obvious that it's you're gonna go or you're not? You know, I I agree to a certain extent that it is probably going to be difficult to go into this and watch it and really like it without knowing anything about Pokemon or the, the you know intellectual property in advance. But on the other side of that same coin, I think they do enough to set the scene that you could go in. Just create a, gen- a generally entertaining movie and uh, and still enjoy it, but. I think it is a good movie mm-hmm. outside of my nostalgia because, and and by good movie I mean it's like fun, entertaining popcorn kind of fare. It's not mm-hmm. like groundbreaking cinema or anything, but it, because it has all of the classic detective kind of um, tropes and whatnot. Like you know, there's uh, a mystery um, about what's going on in the secret lab, and then. Mm-hmm. There is there are clues that lead to a certain direction, and a character that comes in to help who is actually the mastermind behind all of it. Like there's the twists and the right. like decoys of like you think this is the bad guy, but this is really the bad right, guy. Right. And there's all of those kinds of elements that make it a very uh, adept detective movie that has enough going on in it and is executed well enough. And I mean. I'm sure that people will argue, but there's and there's also not any super glaring, highly problematic plot holes that make you go, "This is fucking stupid." <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously you're suspending some disbelief going into it, like, "Oh, these you know right. creatures exist or whatever." But, but if you're willing to accept that, it, it... and it's also like the I mean, again, maybe this is because of my like history with the the franchise, but it is. The war. I mean, the world is made so well. Like the like, you know, when you're collecting Pokemon cards, you know, you go buy these like booster packs that have like ten or fifteen cards or whatever. And there are a lot of characters that you get a bunch of the cards. You know, you mm-hmm. like they're in like every pack. They're like right. the most common ones. And one of them's like a Pidgeot and some other. And then you, I mean, you just see the Pidgeots flying in. You know, like there's a bunch of them like they're they're like actual pigeons they're everywhere and so like the common cards that you would find are you know really present in the world that they built and you know some of the rarer ones are more specialized is a sequel um, coming uh, they'd be dumb not to is it making money it is yeah Yeah. i mean it's done really well yeah it i I mean worldwide especially i mean pokemon is a global franchise and i think it's probably made at least as much in overseas markets as it has here in the states um but yeah i think it's around 300 million now total after a couple weekends which for a movie that's made for probably a little over a hundred million, that's probably 
pretty good. Qu- quite enough to, to, you know, it'll probably end up closer to $400 million at least once it's done. They'll yeah. make a sequel. Sure. And I, I do have one complaint. So there's a there's this like secret lab where they're experimenting on Pokemon, and the our main characters, our main detective team, go there. And also another good like trope about this movie that I like is that there's you know your unsuspecting, unwilling actually protagonist. He doesn't want to be involved in the thing that he ends up getting himself involved with meets up with the cute reporter girl and they like you know crack the case like that's yeah. just good shit like that's just good classic detective movie stuff you know right. but anyway so our our ragtag group of detectives find their way to this uh you know research facility or whatever and then at, there's it's almost some of it's almost like a zoo or whatever you have like you know a glass page and then yeah and stuff it, yeah. like that where the pokemon are held and one of them is this like growth research kind of thing where they're experimenting on Pokemon that are that ad- adapt to their environment to make themselves look like the natural terrain of the area, and they're trying to see how big they can grow them or whatever. And you see them, and they're like a pretty like normal size. I mean, at first it looks like an empty terrarium kind of thing, and then they stand up, and you're like, oh shit, like that's just like their back shell or whatever. But then they go out; they they're running out of the research facility. And the mountains that make up the surrounding area start to move, and it's because they're giant fucking Pokemon that they've, mm-hmm. like, you know, been Already experimenting grown, yeah. on, and that are massive, like, literally mountain-sized. And then, but then they just lay back down, and that's it. <laughs> like, nothing really ever comes of that. Like, they start to stand well, up true. and move it's around, and then they, the, you know, the characters almost fall off these, like, huge cliffs and stuff like that, and then they just lay back down. Yeah. And, and it all, yeah, the... I, the resolution of that scene where where it's like okay sudden the earth is shifting and everything and it's because these they realize they're pokemon and they're moving yeah. and then as soon as they've kind of determined that they just kind of lay down yeah. and, they, and they let everything rest that did seem a little strange um it was just like we want to we want to we want you to see this cool thing yeah right but yeah. it doesn't it's not really gonna amount to much right but it was cool i mean it, it was it gave you some interesting visuals i don't know you know the, talking about it with you i i guess i was sort of i i wouldn't say on the fence but i think you know if i'm looking and we don't do rating scales on beer in a movie but but if i'm thinking of a like one to ten kind of scale i would have put this probably at like a six maybe on as a, we on a one to ten percent. on a one to ten one, one to ten you know what i mean like yeah. ten being the best you know so like positive but just barely into the positive over neutral territory as we talk about so it it's as like i a, think back on it i think i've shifted probably closer to a seven whoa okay yeah. so wow so, so this beer started or this movie started as a natter day at 4.3 percent <laughs> and now we've gotten into <laughs> west coast ipa territory at a seven percent no i said six six six, six. Oh, yeah I, yeah i, you said I was already positive i was just so but, you just went up one but this is like it's notching it up because it, i think it did have some interesting There's something to talk about interesting commentary yeah. in there for a family film um you know b- built on a pre-existing franchise that you know has been seen multiple iterations it was pretty impressive to see them pull off something that i think was different than those other iterations of it that from what i know of them yeah i would I'd agree with that also one thing that made my experience going to this movie different than some of the other people i saw it with 
was that I didn't really see that many of the trailers. I think I saw one. Oh, yeah. But I didn't see the trailer that showed Mewtwo in it. Oh, so when yeah. Mewtwo comes on screen, I'm like, bitch. Because like, that, that's one of the rarest and like yeah. most sought after, and, right? And that yeah. was the character that the first animated film was built around. Like, oh, is that right? New, oh, it revealed know, Mewtwo. That, um, that was yeah, the, Mew and Mewtwo were like new, and that movie was like their, you know coming out party and was it always Um, sort of a human created isn't that part of the deal that Mewtwo in this film is like I don't I don't remember specifically okay but he but Mewtwo always was like the most powerful of Of, all okay the Pokemon and Um, and benevolent uh, yeah and wise and and wise (laughs) I mean everybody needs Mewtwo in there that was really dope for me Uh, were there any Pokemons in the movie that weren't quite Pokemons no, I don't think so. There's okay. no ass also. Because like I was I, wondering if this stout. <laughs> well, so, you, you know, Carlos did pick this for a reason, right? He said before we started that a golden stout would evoke the golden qualities of a Pikachu, which I'll, I'll agree with um, color-wise, mm-hmm. for, yeah. for sure. Um, but but flavor-wise, what are you guys thinking with this? This reminds me more of, like, some of the coffee blondes or coffee pale mm. ales that I've had more than it does a stout. That's a more apt description for this. I, I, even even though it's not at the, they're not advertising that this is a golden stout brewed with you know uh, Mostra coffee or whatever you know the hot right. coffee beans to brew beer with it are, but it's closer to that than it is to a stout, I yeah. think. And because the body's not really there to call it a stout, the percentage alcohol percentage isn't really there to call it a stout obviously the color is not there to yeah call i mean it i was stout. having a real psychological break saying to myself <laughs> during this while we were while i was drinking and y'all were talking that um i'm drinking a stout i'm drinking a stout but bringing this glass of beer up to my mouth it's this is not a stout because the color is just freaking my head out yeah it can't be a stout and be this color i i disagree with that but I think I think for the color isn't I mean obviously it's kind of strange like drink like if you've ever had a coffee blonde or a coffee pale ale or anything like that um it's it's coffee IPA I don't think I've ever had that but yeah uh, I, I want to talk to the brewer but, because there's nothing about this that makes it the, the mouth feels not a stout so that okay so that's what I was that's what I was getting to is the color is fine but if it had the mouth feel of a stout, we'd be there. Yeah. This would be a, I would call this a golden stout and be okay, okay with it. Yeah, be they able made to a thing called a golden stout, yeah. but there's something about this that is it's stouty too, it's too thin. in its golden appearance. Yeah, it's too thin. Maybe yeah. if this was presented on nitro at a bar and it had that creaminess to it, then we'd be, we'd be cooking, you know? Right. Um, yeah. But just as it stands currently, as we are at this moment consuming yeah. it, this is not a stout. So how does it taste? It is a marketing ploy. How does it um, taste? It doesn't taste bad. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say it's a it has a bad flavor, but I agree with you, Carlos. I think that the Golden Stout designation is it's a weird way of again, like all of these style designations, you're kind of making things up if it's something outside the ordinary recipes that are out there. But this is one that I scratch my head on still. Uh-huh. Like I don't I this has not sold me on the idea of the Golden Stout it, being a me, style. Me either. Uh, yeah. It, it, you know, drinking it with my eyes closed and trying not to think about the color, I still don't think I would have picked this out as a stout. I think I would Pale have said, oh, this is like some sort of coffee-infused something. Or a blonde, even. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that 
the only way to pass something as a golden stout now that I've thought about it and said it out loud is to present it in nitro format. Uh, I think if you did that, then maybe you'd have you some might bring the smoother, thicker body. Might yeah, help. a little yeah. creamier. Because um, because flavor wise, that's not super far off. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I mean, it's not quite there. But. I'm not off put by the flavor of this. And it, it actually, it's 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 interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. It's not good or bad. It's interesting. It's interesting uh, enough for me to be curious about this brewery. Yeah, the brewery. Yeah. I think to, to I, do a little bit, to a little more research on. I them. think there's a lot in favor of this. Like I said, just looking at their website, Superior Bathhouse. I would be excited to try mm-hmm. all their other beers, and I'm happy that we got to try this one. Yeah, but, me, too. me too. But I don't ever see myself when I'm in their brewery visiting. Picking this is one of the things I'm going to get in my flight. Right. You know that, yeah. that this this is I've done it. I don't think I'll never yeah. ever need to return to it. Um, and we'll post more about Golden Stout and the style sure. and what it means on our uh, different social media. Yeah, I think that I think this does remind me a lot, and I wish I could remember what the brewery was. But during one of our Game of Thrones watch parties that we had over this last season, a friend of mine brought a coffee pale ale. Uh, I think it was from Oasis, um, okay. but I could be wrong. They're out of Austin, and, right? Uh, yeah. I think so. And it, it was very similar to this. Um, and it's kind of, it's a it's it's a it's a bit odd the coffee yeah. pale ale coffee blonde thing. It's not bad or good. It's, it's an industry it's trying to set itself apart by doing something different and interesting, which and it, I admire. Early morning shakes. There you go. I believe so. That's the Oasis. Yeah. Uh, yes, I believe that's what it was. Um, How was yeah, it? It was it was a lot like this. It was yeah. it was interesting. It was an experience. I uh, didn't get another one uh-huh. after that. I went back to the beer that I brought, um, which I don't remember what it was that week. But uh, it wasn't a coffee pale ale. Uh, <laughs> those are hard. But to yeah, but those are. I mean, I can't help but like want to try those. When oh I'm sure, them, you know, like I have to. I, I fall for the gimmick. Yeah, me too. Like, like I'd buy this even if I wasn't in the mood to buy beer to take home simply because of the gimmick of the marketing. I fall into this kind of thing all of the time. Because I feel now, like, are you wait, are you talking about the beer itself? Or no, are you I'm talking, talking about, about the, the growler. The jug. The, oh, I'm talking okay. about getting down to just doing innovative, different things. Because yeah, I feel yeah. like if you're doing that with your marketing, then then it is likely that you are doing that with your beer. Let's there, hope. there are sometimes, so, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, All right, I'm, I'm, so okay. speaking, speaking of marketing, yeah. when we get into the second half of the podcast, we're going to look at other games and or sort of uh, things that have come from other media that have been brought into film and uh, adapted. Non-conventional media adaptations. Non-conventional media adaptations in the second half of the podcast. When we return. <laughs> Hey, welcome back to Beer in a Movie. We hope you enjoyed the break as much as we did, but let's dive right <laughs> into our next beer. I don't enjoy the breaks that much. You don't? No, I like I like talking about beer in movies. That's right. I, anything that keeps us from well, talking. When, well, when these mics go off, well, all we're talking about is your potpourri recipe. I mean, what are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? We talked about beer in movies during the break. Anyway, let's get into it. Yeah. Carlos, you have brought a beer from what I... I don't know what your favorite brewery is of all the breweries you've you tried. You do know what it is. Do I? You do. Am I about to get it right? Yeah. Because <laughs> I went to your wedding, my good man, and you had friends and family bring in Ingenious Brewing from 
Houston, Texas. We've had it on the podcast a couple of times. What did you bring? I know you're excited. Uh, yeah, their address is technically in Humble, but it's all the same shit. Um, I, I Northeast just, Houston I area. Just, Shout I just out to my Humble peeps used to be there. I just don't want them to be mad at me. Uh, but yeah, they are. I think they're my favorite brewery there. Everything they do is ridiculously good. Um, so I brought... They did this series, and I don't know what the fucking idea behind it was, but they did all this, like, ancient Egypt kind of stuff. Like, there was the queen, the tomb, the, you know, whatever. Um, this one is the queen, and it is... The label artwork was done by Hop Killers, and it's pretty nice looking, I have to say. But this one is a juicy New England style double oat cream IPA hopped with experimental hops. It comes in at 8% uh, ABV. And the reason that I brought this one is because we are going to talk about experimental <laughs> adaptations uh, of movies that get their source material from something unconventional. Usually when we think about adaptations... Um, I'm sure Joe will love to talk about Stephen King adaptations. It's from literature, mm-hmm. from books and other things, right? Um, plays, mm-hmm. uh, yes. things of that nature, right? But every now and then you get a garbage pail kids card game adaptation. You get uh, <laughs> you get a, you get an adaptation of a toy line, uh, right? Of a we, we, I mean, we had to live in a world with that fucking battleship movie a couple years ago. That's right. And, uh, you know, so things like that uh, that are a little outside of the box as far as adaptations go. Um, if, what, if it's popular these days, they're going to make a movie out of it eventually. Yeah, and that's not always a book or a play. No. One, it, one thing I'll say about the experimental nature of this beer is that it's bullshit, and. <laughs> I, I know because of our friend Joey, uh, who spent some time as a brewer, that all that this experimental hops thing means is that they bought discounted hops that aren't brand name like Citra or Simico or Mosaic or El Dorado and just called it experimental hops. Is that right? I guarantee you hmm. that's what they did. I mean, because they do, you, you know, I don't want and I would Galaxy, not, whatever. I would not want to refute Joey. He knows much more about brewing than I do. But I do know that they there are new hops that get developed over time, and that yeah. you know, that, as with you know a lot of horticulture, that you know there are growers, horticulturalists who will in labs work with different yeah. plants to create hybrids and stuff like that. So and certainly in the craft beer boom, because everyone's looking for the next different thing that they can do right. with their beer. So you know, I think there are actual, but I totally believe that his point uh, being that you know people use that term to describe hey we just happen to get a bunch of this stuff that we don't feel like naming so we'll just call it experimental um so that you know i think who knows who knows yeah i I mean i don't again i don't know for sure and i hate to slander what is potentially the best brewery in the country but definitely top five in texas but mm -hmm. I, I yeah, it just smells of marketing ploy to me. Could um, be that, yeah. but that does not speak to the quality of the beer, which we will get right. to in a minute. But right. before we do that, let's uh, but talk how about these, some weird adaptations. Yeah. How do these marketing ploys work out? Joe, you didn't see Detective Pikachu, I didn't. so now's your time to shine, guys. I'm going to talk about uh, toys that I had. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, they're kind of at the end of my toy owning ages, and that's uh, good old fashioned Michael Bay Transformers. Yeah, and all of the films that follow. Now, are they good movies? I'm going to say flat out at the beginning of the conversation, absolutely not. Yes, I think Shia LaBeouf shined in, in, in a comedic role in that first thing, and we saw promise in this young upcoming guy. He followed it up with uh, Indiana Jones as the biggest one, and then has I guess gone nuts since then. But uh, no, he's an artistic genius. He certainly is, but he's not. Are you, are he's you not on? In, the, are you on Team Shia? Oh yeah, I okay. love everything. Oh, I have no problem with anything he does, except that he's no longer making any blockbuster films, which is kind of an interesting. Not a lot of movies choice. at all. Exactly. In general, he's gotten more into experimental performance. Art. But 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 Transformers gets the director that I guess was born to do a Transformers movie. If you're going to do it, and that's Michael Bay, it's grandiose. It's yeah. it's it's style and and CGI madness over any kind of plot sto- or story. Story or character mm-hmm. development at all, and um, they certainly have made a lot of money. And uh, mm-hmm. exit Shia LaBeouf, and here you get Mark Wahlberg. Mark, Marky Mark, yeah, and and now offshoots like with that Bumblebee movie that was out just which a few I heard ago. was really actually good. you know I, that's I heard funny. I didn't make it, but but uh, my Aaron went with the girls mm-hmm. and. She, they were all pretty happy with it, yeah. and I and it got pretty positive critical reaction. Everyone I know that went and saw it said it was good, and I said "fuck you," I don't believe you because from the second I saw the trailer, I was like, "no, absolutely not." <laughs> now here's my my biggest problem with Transformers is uh, that the toy that you held in your hand that you could turn from a whatever into a, a robot mm-hmm. did not defy the law of physics. And the plastic material in your hand get larger and bigger than it was at the very beginning. If you're going to be... The weight of the Transformer Mm -hmm. cannot be bigger than the weight of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. There's only so much mass there. That's accurate. And so, therefore, (laughs) in the universe that they create... I don't buy any of that Transformer bullshit. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is uh, it is interesting how exponentially larger they become. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that's very... I, yeah, I'm on You'll never watch Transformers the same way again. It's, it's alien, You're welcome. It's alien technology, yeah. Jerry. See, that's what I, I knew you were going to go there, David. No, you, you are no, a no, universe no, no. bending... Mr. The Rules hey, don't he's like, let's I'm bending. not... I'm, I'm going to fight you. <laughs> I am not going to defend Transformers. In fact... I will say right here, Transformers 2 uh-huh. is the only film I've ever bought a ticket for, gone into the theater, sat for 10 minutes, and left. Yeah, Transformers 2 is horrible. Transformers 1 <laughs> is watchable, but still bad. It, and then I, I'm done after that. I haven't seen a Marky Mark Transformers. Speaking of marketing ploys, one of the main draws of that first Transformers movie was the debut of the resurrected Camaro. Right. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. when that movie came out... That was when Chevy was very first. They hadn't even the the car was not even available to purchase at the time. Oh wow! But they were like, we're after having discontinued it. They were like, we're bringing the Chevy Camaro back, and it looks like this. Uh And it was like one of the craziest, like biggest cultural moments of that kind where everybody was like this is the greatest thing I've ever seen mm-hmm. everyone loved the look like, and the yellow was, one costs a little bit more the yellow one costs a little bit more right. and now it's you know just as played out as like a Mustang or something it's so I throw special. that into the pile of, yeah. of experimental adaptations yeah, it, no they're shit movies for sure mm-hmm. but they've made a shitload of money they've made a shitload of money yeah. uh, and honestly 
I wake up every morning and I thank God for Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna have to dig back in. I mean, I I have but, some but respect that, for him, but that I, brought I just, him back. I have not followed he. I mean, because he was he did the even Stevens Disney Channel thing right. and was you know very popular amongst a certain like demographic for that. And then kind of went away for a while. Yeah. He wasn't doing like a ton of acting. And then the Transformers and kind of brought him back. And yeah. Then, and right then we got some really yeah. great stuff like Suburbia. Disturbia. Disturbia. There uh, we go. That's a that fan- was good. It's a fantastic good. movie. Um, really loved him in that. I mean, he did some stuff like Eagle Eye, I think, was one that wasn't, uh, you know, kind of right. not so great. Um what was that movie American Honey or? yeah that, I still haven't watched that no, but I, I've heard good things and like I said earlier the Indiana Jones uh, yeah. Nymphomaniac well, yeah, in, yeah. Um, I mean, he—he's—he's he's clearly getting off the beaten path at this point, and, uh, and I love it. And I doing mean, some I, I, we could fill the rest of this episode with me talking about <laughs> but, his experience. But I have a feeling projects. we'll get a chance to do a Shia LaBeouf uh, pro- hope, proper investigation so. at some point. So, David, David, <laughs> what's yours? So, so when when we were talking about what to pair this with, the film that came to my mind was the Garbage Pail Kids movie. Carlos has already kind of alluded to it earlier. Um, because when I was growing up, th- those were the cards. It wasn't a card game necessarily, but those were the trading cards that everybody my age was obsessed with when I was in first, second, third grade. I mean, so, you know, seven, eight-year-old Dave was, you know, thinking these things were the best. Uh-huh. I mean, I remember begging my dad to oh, g- yeah. give me packs of uh, uh-huh. Garbage Pail Kids. So I love this. And then this movie and They were hilarious. Oh, hilarious. They were hilarious puns. puns. Absolutely, right? (laughs) Silly, silly names. Uh Atom bomb, you know, that that I just couldn't resist. And then this movie is coming out to capitalize on the success, the popularity of this. If only Michael Bay had directed it. (laughs) And it, even to my, I guess I was probably eight or nine when it came out, even to my sort of. Not yet fully formed brain, not yet, certainly not movie savvy consciousness. Seeing that film, it was the weirdest pile of garbage <laughs> that I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it, to anybody who hasn't seen this, and I was hunting for this, yeah. I had a DVD of it. At well, some in point. our discussions prior yes, to the episode, and I wanted everybody to watch it because I, I we were going to do I mean, Garbage Pail Kids. Neither this, of you have seen it, right? No. Uh-uh. It is just... I watched the trailer online, but you can't... The weirdest, yeah. weirdest thing you've ever seen. I mean, you saw what they look like, uh-huh. right? They're yeah. these little, like... So they have, you know, uh, they have little people inside these costumes that are made to look... They're, like, grotesque. Uh-huh. They do resemble the card characters, but they're just so, so weirdly proportioned. Like, like a <laughs> distorted cabbage patch doll. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, That's what they, they were they playing. Were taunting, of course. Exactly. Garbage pail um, kids. But just, they're so, and, and part of it, the cards were, like, supposed to be disgusting. It's like, you know, characters with snot vomit, coming out of yeah. their nose, vomit, and farting, uh-huh. and, you know, like, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, it's a film just chock full of fart jokes, and sure. vomit, and spew, and there's, they go to this weird place where there are all these weird characters. Yeah, what's like, the plot of Garbage Pail Kids? It's really hard for me to, to fully recall, but it, but it has to do with an orphan, <laughs> Um, who who kind of lives inside this antique shop, uh, played by Mackenzie Aston, who's Sean Aston's brother, right? Uh, who who has not had as successful a career as his brother, and their dad was John Aston, actually the guy who was in the Adams family. Yeah. Um, but the you know, he, and he just kind of stumbles upon them. They've kind of come from a, I think it's a toxic spill that kind of creates them, 
and they just sort of invade his life and he like tries to help them out but they're being found i mean so there's not really a whole lot of a plot but it's just weirdness i mean it is really one of the strangest films and if you look into it i mean like it's one of the few films on rotten tomatoes that has zero percent now is it a film (laughs) david that people should see one time i think for anybody who going back to the if you have some nostalgia for garbage pail kids or they've come back actually you can get them now i mean like if if, so if you if your kids are collecting them and you don't mind exposing your kids to fart jokes and vomit, <laughs> then you are if you're letting them have garbage bill kids. Uh, then then yes, I think it's something that could be an oddity. I think it would be a great film to watch with a group of people. Sure. Have some beers. Right atmosphere. Yes, right. Ha- have the right kind of thing. You know, kind of approach it a mystery science uh, sure. theater 3000 way where you just kind of like talk through the film. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I, I'm desperately going to continue looking for my copy. It's difficult so to find. You can't stream that. it anywhere. It's right. not. It's not anywhere. I was going to try to. It get has it. been released on DVD and Blu-ray. I was going to try to get it on, on Netflix DVD because yeah. I'm, I'm one of the and few that are still that, on. Oh, yeah. they have it. Oh, but I, we couldn't have gotten it in time for the record tonight. All right, Carlos, we turn our attention to you. Yeah, I saw uh, the listeners at home didn't, but that was a very visual focused attention on me just by the two of you you, in, love fo- in, you love it when people have focused attention on you in sync with each other um <laughs> very odd but when we walked out of this movie uh, detective pikachu to harken back to the first half of this episode one of the things that i said was can you imagine if pokemon had been introduced to the world in 2015 instead of 95 or 2000 or whenever it was and that in the midst of Pokemania, this movie comes out, mm. right? And so, the reason, and the reason that's an interesting prospect to me is because, I mean, in ninety five, two thousand, there wasn't anything that even resembled the technology, right, to be able to do this movie. It would have been a bad movie. It would have been a bad movie, and it would have been a really expensive bad movie. Yeah, um, I mean, it's still a pretty expensive movie, but not as <laughs> insane as it would have been back then. So that I mean that was an interesting thing to think about for me, and so w- the reason that you know the technology is so important is because when you're taking like two D animated characters that don't have the same kind of real world like texture and depth and everything that like you know like for instance like the, one of the first times I saw the Pikachu trailer and Pikachu was furry never occurred to me that Pikachu had fur ever right right never thought about it I was just like oh yeah he's yellow that's it didn't why would I you know uh and so then adapting it in, into a real live action you know situation and doing it well was i think somewhat of a feat even with the technology they have now a movie that did not do that is super mario bros <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to bring the koopa troopas and like you know all that stuff into a real at world at that era you're absolutely at right at that time the technology yeah. did not exist and it's a piece of shit film <laughs> and uh, it's just, I just can't, I mean, I love John Leguizamo. Uh-huh. That was a money grab. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that guy. Well, and yeah. Bob Hoskins. Yeah, see, I don't know, I'm not as... But Bob Hoskins, well, even when that him. happened, I didn't think, yes, they nailed Mario. I, didn't, <laughs> yeah. I did not see this film in the theater, but it certainly came out. I mean, I played Super Mario Brothers at the stand-up arcade when it was first out. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so... 
I, great but game. By, but by the time Super Mario Brothers came out, all of these in, incarnations of the video game and the systems had kind of surpassed my interest in video gaming. Mm-hmm. So when the movie came out, I, I still was a curious observer. Who did they choose to pick Mario? And I guess Bob Hoskins was a choice because he had done so well, so well, incredibly well With against a CGI yeah. background right. and, and cutting edge yeah. technology of the time as Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's so a great movie. I guess too. it makes sense, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. I mean, but, may, maybe one of the things they didn't do well in the Mario Bros. movie was they. I mean, it's not CGI. It's like they're like puppets or something. I don't know what the are people yeah. in, people in suits, but they take the Probably animatronic element. Yeah. They make them just like lizards, yeah. you know, which is odd. Yeah. Um, and really, Mar- is, is, is Mario being a plumber that important to that game? You know? Like, no. It's not, no. you know? And so to it's really... It's very peripheral. Yeah. It, I mean, it's... At, it almost isn't even a thing. Right. You know? Right. Like, I grew up playing those games and I did not yeah, But if you're thinking that. character development, it is his occupation. It they is. do make it well known that, that he's a, a plumber. In the movie, yes, yeah. but I mean, like when I played Mario sixty four as a kid, and I played that game a lot. Right. No idea. Yeah. Never occurred to me. That's why there's um, pipes. Yeah, I get it now. Right. But mm-hmm. at the time, I was like, that you know, okay, I guess. Yeah. So to really like double down on that was strange. Um, but yeah, that's an example of a movie that was made at a time it should not have been made, or probably <laughs> ever for that matter. No, I, I imagine we'll um, get a Super Mario Bros. movie. There are, the yeah, there is one in development. There is? Yeah, yeah, because we're be. getting a Sonic movie. Because how uh, many... Oh, God. Yeah, we'll talk about that, but how yeah. many different versions <laughs> of Mario are awesome? All of them. All of them, yeah. Every so Mario game is pretty good. So, of course, it's ripe for another, you know, yeah. I call it a money grab. I, I overuse that term, maybe, but, like, just to, to, make, to, make the, <laughs> to make the movie of it. Yeah, I. and then another one that, I mean, I haven't seen, but that didn't get really good reviews, but that I want to see at some point, and I just never gotten around to it, because I think it's interesting, and also, my discussion of this goes back to how I feel about also having not seen Garbage Pail Kids. You asked David if people should see it. It seems to me, and I could be wrong because I haven't seen the film, but it seems to me like if you are interested in the kind of behind the scenes stuff that goes on with filmmaking or just like the development of a film start to finish kind of situation, maybe Garbage Pail Kids is a good movie to see (laughs) Uh, just because it took a property with no real narrative and tried to make it into a narrative format. I mean, it's like, and the things that go wrong within that attempt, it's it's kind of the same reason that I think everyone should see Gigli as many times as they can because (laughs) it's such a good, like, it's it's a capsule of everything that can go wrong in a film. You got the budget, you got the stars, what a garbage movie, yeah. you know? Um, and I feel kind of this way about this movie that I hope to see at some point in the future, but Doom, mm. The Rock, uh, I mean, one of my favorite games growing up. Such a fucking good game. Yeah. But they really tried to take the first person element into a movie which right. should not happen, I don't think. Uh, and what was that movie that came out recently? Fucking hell. I totally forgot about it until just now, but it was a movie that was shot entirely in the first person. Um, oh, hardcore Henry. Yes, hardcore Harry. I think, or was it Henry? That that's another one that tried yeah, to. Yeah, hardcore Henry. It. it tried to do the first person video game thing, and from the trailers, it looked like a real piece of crap. Um, well, had the best example of first person shooter perspective uh, movies. 
that is a complete departure from our topics, Elephant by Gus Van Zandt. Mm, yeah, I've and, never seen it. Oh, it's it's a hard watch, but uh, I know actually they they do it well. Owned a copy of it with the intent to see it. In the, yeah, you, my, should, you my, should watch it. My once. dog ate it. Also, uh, <laughs> my dog ate my home. Don't have a uh, copy of that bad boy anymore. Yeah. Um, but I think we kind of know how we feel about. Well, some we of these picked three movies that we've kind of said are bad, even if one or two of them have a nostalgic value to right. them. The nostalgic value of Transformers has, has there been a great one? Has, has there, other than Detective Pikachu, has, oh. has there been one that you can... In the be... canon of film, yes, but nothing is leaping to mind. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure there are... Some... I mean, G.I. Joe, I'm thinking, was mm. mediocre, uh, even though it got a sequel. And it's going to have more. Yeah. You're lying. No, there. I believe there are at least two other films in development. Yeah, there was... When I was preparing for this episode, I thought of something, and now it's escaping me. <laughs> it might have to do something with uh, the queen. Yeah, it might. Uh, well, how do we feel about this beer? Oh, boy, do I like this beer. Tom, yeah. why? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just the... They nail the mouthfeel. I mean, it might be the oat edition there that, that sort of brings it out, but it's just it's got that nice, creamy, thick... Sort of. That's what I want in a milkshake IPA. I expect um, that they're adding those oats during the fermentation process. The boil. The boil. The the oats. The oats they're, are they're kind in of. The they're boil. treated like part of the malt. So okay. they're, yeah, they're they're in there and adding to that. You know, again, that kind of uh, you know viscosity. Uh-huh. There, I don't there's, think there's any lactose in this. I don't think it's a milkshake IPA. They're not calling it a milkshake. It's just oats. A juicy New England style double oat cream. Okay, IPA. so that's all coming from. It's an oat cream. Okay, yeah. but I would I would put Maybe it in lactose, but it is similar. Yeah, yeah. Not as hazy as normal. No, I guess. I mean, it's I mean, it's, it's not it's clear, okay, but yeah. it but it's not as hazy as some of the other things. And you're right. I mean, I guess I'm not getting the the same kind of. Uh, but it, but I love the mouthfeel, uh-huh. and I love the flavor. It's got you know the nice balanced hot profile there. Yeah, it is delicious. I mean, I'm not a soul. Whatever those I'm not experimental a soul the flavor on you guys, I've had better beer from Ingenious. So have I. Um, what now? Do are you tasting anything different from the other Ingenious? And they mask the flavor of the IPA. Not, not in any kind of negative way with the fruit elements that they'll sometimes use. Yeah. But this is the experimental hops that we were talking about earlier. There are no not adjuncts in this one except right. oat, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, there's no fruit, there's no vanilla bean, there's no lactose, there's no chocolate. Right. There's no, you know, Oreo cookies uh-huh. or peanut butter or any of the kind of crazy shit they normally do. Actually, I think today as we were recording this, they just released like four uh, small batch kegs of uh, there's like a bunch of different s'mores IPAs. There was like a s'mores, a banana <laughs> s'mores, wow. a strawberry s- s'mores. Or something. It looked wow. ridiculous, amazing. Yeah. But yeah, this is this is one of the beers. And I I had something else from them. I don't know if we had it on the. I don't think we had it on the podcast. But um, David, you might remember from our housewarming party, there was that like super galaxy one yeah. that we that I got from them. Yeah. That was just like a fuck ton of galaxy hops yeah, and like nothing yeah. else. Like so they. They do non-adjunct stuff sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Though the adjuncts so they, are kind of their thing, and when they do the non-adjunct adjunct stuff, it's still good. Yeah. Like I, I, I wonder. Fact, I wonder if they're I almost. I, I, I appreciate it. I, I like. You know. I mean, obviously, I do like some of the fruit stuff that they do. I like the other stuff that they do with adjuncts. But it's nice to see them pull off a beer that is 
relatively naked along the lines yeah. of a traditional style and like i say not even a milkshake ipa but just yeah. a thicker bodied ipa by do, incorporating the do you oats. think they're doing this to prove that they don't need the adjuncts yeah, you know i think they're, they're doing like, this because I think, they're, I think they're having fun yeah i mean they if they if anybody's having fun it's now like, talk to me if anyone can i'm putting you guys on the spot i don't mean to about uh, the oat damn. adding oats to the uh, boil is how common is that seen well, like in a specific a, a, style you, you've heard oatmeal stout of course yeah. right yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's they're putting oats in the boil so that it adds. And what that does, like an oat, oatmeal, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it releases, I don't know what the chemical compound is, but it releases into the wort. It, it makes it thicker. It's and that's going to give you a different yeah. mouthfeel. It's going to give you a different flavor profile from the base. Right. It, of... tends, it tends to have like a little bit of sweetness yeah. and then a lot more body. Yeah. A lot more body. Yep. Yeah, like the stout that the last homebrew that I did with joey there was a, a several pounds of oats uh-huh. in in that wart when we did it uh there wasn't enough oat because we didn't get as thick a body as we wanted to but we used it for that purpose yeah uh, yeah so yeah I think i'd that, recommend this beer yeah, I'm, yeah if you can get your hands on ingenious if you're in the part of a country that you can yeah. get it grab grab some or if you got a mule from coming from the houston humble area say, yeah you find a mule you got to uh, <laughs> you owe it to yourself if you are a craft beer drinker to find a way, guys. I'm so sorry I didn't see uh, Pookie Mookie. You're you're forgiven. <laughs> I, I, I'm so Pika sorry. Pookie. I felt so bad. You said there was a weird energy before we got started because I had this like revelation that I just I, I didn't see the movie. Mm, that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> that's you what have it to was. make me drink another beer. Oh Punch God! <laughs> what a terrible punishment that you must endure. Hey, we're getting a lot more activity on our Facebook page. I've noticed. Well, you have been more active on our Facebook page. Well, I, I've never been good at that. Well, that's right. And so that's why our listeners need yeah. to get on that Facebook page so that they can see all the great things that Joe is posting. Well, we're all posting. We are all Thanks. posting. Joe's, jo- Joe's definitely leading the charge, yes. hitting it pretty hard. There's well, a lot of good quality content. Carlos, you're leading the charge on Instagram. I am. Don't sell yourself short. There's good quality. David, get to work. <laughs> get on the Twitter. Uh, there's a. Yeah, there's some good quality content going on in the Facebook page. A lot of um, movie news kind of stuff and beer news too, which one thing that happened since we last recorded was uh, Dogfish Head's uh, merger merger. or sellout. Uh, Yeah, or sellout. We'll see what happens. Think about it. The Boston Beer Company, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Sam Adams, Adams. their flagship brand. And and since the last time we, we. the last recording session we had, one of those beers was a dogfish head, and then sh- and we right. spent a good amount of time praising their indiness. Yeah, well, and then they still, did, but and then they still did that. Indie. Oh, I mean, are we gonna, I mean uh, it's a, it's we a, could do a, ten more minutes. We could, we could do thirty more minutes. Right. Anyway, yeah. if you want to keep up with that kind of hard hitting journalism <laughs> that's happening, which is sharing uh, other people's hard hitting journalism, well, that's exactly. right. I mean, we we do the uh, filtering for you. Yeah, yes. yeah we do. Um, so the Facebook page is uh, as always facebook.com slash beer and a movie tx, and then I like to personally i like to post what i'm drinking on the beer in a movie instagram because the people that follow my personal account could give two shits about that so i use beer in a movie for that um so you can keep up with uh all of that kind of stuff at beer in a movie on instagram and then we're probably going to force david to really run the twitter here pretty that sounds soon. good um and you can find us on twitter at beer movie show and then of course beer and movie podcast.com uh you can download this or you're probably listening to this podcast on apple uh, slash iTunes, whatever. If you haven't subscribed, you owe it to yourself to do that. Helps us out. Uh, helps us out. And then 
also rate review uh do that as well um the feedback really helps us hone in what we're doing here when you uh write a thoughtful review about what you like what you don't like what you want us to do in the future um so yeah do all that stuff yeah and then until next time Thank you.